Hi, my name is Lila Turner and you are listening to the Becoming Relationship Ready podcast series. Here we'll be discussing the twists, the turns, the ups and downs and the wins and fails of finding love and connection. Each week, I will have a different guest share their experience and relationship stories. I'll want to know what are their stumbling blocks, what have their blind spots been, what have their relationship patterns been that felt unbreakable. And I'll also want to know what are their relationship hacks, what have they discovered about themselves and relationships that has been a game changer for them. Welcome, Julia. Thank you so much for coming on, on my podcast. So you are very dear to me. So you you were one of the first clients we had on Relationship Ready. You've been with us since the beginning. Um, so I'm really kind of honored to have you here. Really, really mm. looking forward to it. So thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for the invitation. And I have to say, I think you designed Relationship Ready around me and some of the challenges I had and who I was. And so it's really great to see how it's gone on to help other people because it's certainly helped me. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. You've definitely been a really fabulous inspiration. Well, I just want to give a short introduction to you. So I can't even remember how we met, but I think it was through work colleagues. And I know you do a lot of uh, EO and YPO and you do a lot of sort of uh, entrepreneurial events. And I think we met through that. Can't even remember the exact time we met, but I do remember kind of meeting you and being quite dazzled by you. You have this dazzling smile. And then what really struck me about meeting you is you tried to help me <laughs> like a little rescue hedgehog in the woods or something. Like you've always had this heart of gold. I would never leave a lunch from you without leaving with like some advice or a book or have you tried this? And let me connect you to someone. And you would swoop a cloak of caring around me to try and you know, support anything I was doing. And it really struck me what a heart of gold you have. So your, your background is in you have retail commercial real estate and shopping centers, pop-up retail, retailing and product. And I think we overlap a little bit. You're more fashion, but I was more product retailing. So you sold that business and then started Bold Clarity. Did they overlap at all? Uh, they didn't. I was able to start the business in a retail profile in 2001, merged it in 2010 with the AIM listed, left in 2014 with Equity Partners, and then started Bold Clarity. So that was my next business after I'd done a couple within Bold Clarity. So this is my really basic understanding is that you help businesses you come and take a look under the bonnet and see what they're doing. So, I mean, the only comparison I can come with is cross between a mechanic and a wardrobe consultant. Like, let's get rid of the junk that's not working and let's really make the things that are work, work really well for you. Yeah. So we have clients in common that you've worked with and amazing feedback on how you've helped them strategize and stay quite strictly, hold themselves to account for a growth projection of where they want to go. Does that cover it? I am an entrepreneur. I love working with entrepreneurial people. I love entrepreneurial businesses. And so I get to work with people that I love, which is just great. And I get to help them on their journey to help them get what they want from their businesses. So yeah, that's exactly it. 
I'm really curious. So when I think about these questions that I want to ask you, I think about what I know a lot of people I meet that they would probably want to ask you. So what was your dating relationship kind of like? What was it like for you dating? You could say back to your teens in your 20s, 30s. Like what, what was it like for you? Was it easy to get on dates? Was it easy to get in them and then you stayed in them longer than you wanted to? Like what was your, what was your pattern? So I don't know that I had a pattern, but I'll describe in some of the decades what happened. In my teens, I was not interested in dating. I was really focused on going to high school, playing sports. I was a baton twirler. I played the flute. I was so busy. So I was very social in the social group, but I wanted to graduate and I was really ready to go to uni, ready to go to college, university. Um, And so I just didn't want a boyfriend. I didn't want to get stuck in my small town. I didn't want to, you know, any of that stuff. So I was really focused on that. So I had friendships, but not really boyfriends. And I had one guy who really liked me who was older, but I just didn't see a future with him. And so I was really kind of strict about that. And then when I got into university, again, I was just really focused on my studies because I'm dyslexic. I had to really apply myself. I was the president of Stife Student Enterprises. I was modeling. I was doing all these little things. I played on the volleyball. I was a walk-on on the volleyball team. So I was just always the busy person. And so I social, but not big dating. Like I did, I didn't have that many boyfriends in, in even in university. And then in my 20s, I had a few late 20s, but I moved around a bit. And so it's just been very, I don't really focused on it. And then I think in my 30s, people would come and go, I didn't get in relationships very easily. And I was, I'd have a lot of thinking about it when I would. And I think one of the things I would call a pattern is I'd always give people attributes that I thought they had because of the way they looked, not because I actually experienced it, which I think is interesting for us to talk about. And then late 30s, early 40s, I really thought, oh, I'd like to settle down. And I'd really like to, and I had this kind of ideal picture of who I wanted to. And by then I had moved to London. So I've been here now almost over 20 years. Yeah, I've, I've spent the majority of my time very single and not in relationships. The relationship I'm in now is the longest relationship I've ever been in. And before that, the second longest one, when I was in my 20s, and I had a relationship with a man for three years, was older. But again, I couldn't visualize and see myself. I loved him. I definitely fell in love with him, but I couldn't visualize and see myself in a long-term relationship with him. So this is really the longest relationship I've been in now and the most solid and the most, um, you know, that whole growing together and experiencing life together and not really compromising, but wanting to create what we want together. So and I look back, it's really interesting to me. I've just been so focused on other things and thought it would happen, then it just never did. And then, and this is really the probably the right word, I kind of attack things. I'm like, okay, I'm going to put all my energy and effort into one thing. And so we can talk about the things I tried that didn't weren't really successful for me. You have a very strong group of loyal friends that you adore. You go out, you you know, pre-pandemic, very social, out drinking wine, looking at art, traveling. In a way, you know, like I feel my best friends are also like marriages. Like you have a very strong friendship group. Did you ever get to the point where you felt like, well, this is enough for me? Or did you ever feel like, well, you know, there's something missing? 
Well, I think as a single business-oriented woman who could travel and went to lots of countries. I mean, I love that you mentioned travel because it's not been on the, the radar for us lately. But, you know, I think I talked myself into this is enough. I have a full life. I'm happy. I have these great relationships. It just should be enough. But I think in the inside, I was always thinking, mm, I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like I'm not almost allowing myself the vulnerability to really fall or do it. Because, you know, for me, I probably built up reasons why I didn't need to do it or reasons why I didn't have to do it. Because sometimes being vulnerable is quite hard. And so, yeah, as I look back, maybe that might have been a part of me justifying that I didn't need it. But then in the inside, I kind of knew in my heart that I, I wanted a deep relationship. I think it's really common if it's not fun and, and relaxing and enjoyable and enriching like the rest of your life to sort of shelve it and put that energy either into your work or your friends. So I know we've talked about this before. What kind of things did you try? What were your strategy lists? So one of the things was that I was pretty open to talking to people about like, if you know anybody you should introduce me to, please. I was quite open to meet anyone or talk to anybody or say hello. So been on lots of blind dates, right? Like tons. And at first I was quite open, which is a good thing. Like, oh, whatever comes of this comes of it. If it's a business connection or a personal connection or whatever. So that was one strategy. Another strategy was to read books. And I got given books and I read books on relationships and what they look like and how they should be and what you should do. And some of them not so kind, like why they think you're a bitch and all those kind of terrible relationship books that women read. Like I'd have to give you some of the titles. They're horrible, right? And then I tried some of the, um, what I now would call dating sites. So apps and dating sites. So I was on lots of those and tried some of that. And then I also even tried a quite um, bespoke dating agency, which funny enough, when I think back of it, my chairman said, you know, you're successful, you invest in things, you invest in yourself, you invest in your learning, why wouldn't you invest in an agency that might be able to introduce you to the, to the right person? And he was very encouraging of me spending kind of a little chunk of money, you know, maybe that would be the right place to match you and look at your profile and see who would be a right match for you. So I mean, on the whole, I was quite open to trying lots of different things. And I think I did that with them, um, you know, enthusiasm and robustness. Yeah. So you would have been introduced to people that would have, and we'll come to this right now, particularly that people would have fit your criteria. <laughs> right. And I know sometimes I've met people like, oh yeah, I'm going on a date later. It's 97% match, you know, but the list that you create is coming not from a pure hearted place. It's coming often from what you think you should have or what your friends tell you you should have or what people think you're worth or what you think is going to be the perfect mathematical formula. Tell us a little bit before we talk about those dates. Tell us about your tick list. So I definitely had a tick list. And in one of the books I'd read or one of the blogs, or whatever I'd read, it was like, you need to manifest the person that you want to attract. And so they said, you should try. And I did this in some exercise where I took a blank piece of paper and I wrote down all the aspects of the person that I thought that I would like to be with or should be with or would be a match with. 
he looks like this and he's this tall. So there's physical attributes and he, he has this and he's done that and he likes traveling and he likes art and he likes good restaurants and the, the tick list of all the things he should like that I would like that would make us compatible. But then also I described him physically. I've done mosaics, like where you cut things out of magazines and put a board together, a vision board together, what the, the relationship and the person looks like. I've um, done descriptions right down to where the kind of socks they wear and the kind of style they have and the kind of things they're interested in. So if I look back on it, lots of energy on trying to create this ideal, almost persona of what that person should look like for me. And now in reality, as I look today, completely like different and, or maybe even opposite. Like there were things that I would rule out about men that now I just realize aren't that important after I've seen the relationship that I've had. And as you were describing that, I was just thinking of Build-A-Bear. You know, the Build-A-Bear, <laughs> you can choose the outing, the outfit, you can get the papers. Like what would be an attribute that you thought was really important that really isn't anymore? So I'm six foot tall, which maybe the listeners wouldn't know. So I'm a very tall woman. Um, and I always thought, oh, I have to have somebody as tall or taller than me. I don't want to date a short man or a shorter man. And again, I went out with guys shorter than me, but I was just like, eh, I don't know if that really fits the physicality of me feeling feminine and, you know, cared for and all those kind of physical attributes. And so there's the, you know, physical side of you being attracted to somebody, but that's how they make you feel. And I thought one big thing was that I needed to have a tall man as tall as me or taller. So in a way, would you say that particular tick list item sort of came from insecure or worry about feeling comfortable? That's beautifully put. Yes. Yeah. One of the things I remember, because when we do relationship ready, we ask people, you know, what's their ideal? What they're looking for? What they love? And I, and I know travel came up like you want them to want the same things as you. Do you feel that that is important to you? Today, no, but I also can see my thinking I had about it and the attributes I gave it. So what I did want was somebody that had their own unique hobbies and interests and something that I could be also interested in. But then I also wanted them to be interested in what I did because I've seen friends be in relationships where they were married quite young and then they grew apart and they didn't like doing each other's hobbies and that separated them and then contributed to them not having a successful marriage and divorcing. And so, you know, the other thing we look at is the relationships around us and what we think looks like success when actually that stuff doesn't really matter. And also like, oh, do I have chemistry or not? It's that whole chemistry word. It's more the connection and the feeling you get with each other than the outside stuff and the chemistry and that should look like that. You know what's occurring to me listening to you is you wanted someone to want to travel because you were worried you wouldn't stay interested and engaged and connected, which actually can't come from travel. I think people who look at people who have tick lists, I think most people have them, honestly, whether they admit it or whether it's a bit invisible. But, oh, if you're a tick list, then you're being kind of like, I don't know, fussy. But actually, when you break it down, what's behind that is the desire for things to stay connected 
and feel loving or exciting or interesting and the worry that it won't. So if you put those in place, I'm not going to feel insecure if he's taller than me and I'm not going to feel disconnected or bored if he travels, which can't work that way. So I just wanted to point to that or talk about that. And it's really interesting because there's so much innocence behind it. Anybody putting something on a tick list? It's worth questioning. Why is it on there? What are you hoping to feel and what are you worried about feeling if it wasn't on there? Yeah. It's that whole, I wanted to set it up. So I wanted to find somebody compatible. So it'd be easier to have a relationship. And I know we've had conversations about this, but you know, People also tell you all the time they're in a relationship, they're in a marriage. It's hard work. You're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to take time out. And then I'm like, oh, maybe I don't want to do it then, <laughs> kind of. There's a, a blockage of people saying, it's going to be hard work. It's going to take you because that's what they've experienced. When actually, when you have that connection, it's not hard work. It takes time and investment because you want to be together, not because you're investing time. It can be pretty, pretty easy and lighthearted. It's not hard work. Now, I see that now. I didn't see that before. So your experience of being in relationships and having these ideas of what would make you feel secure, connected, appreciated, not insecure, you know, just feel good. Yeah. Essentially, what opened your eyes to dating differently? In the weekend and in the course that we did, what I think I started exploring was the thinking I had about it, which kind of, I use the word, and it's quite a strong word, contaminated what was really there. So just living a little bit more in the moment and not so planned, letting whatever's there happen versus try to corral it or plan it or manage it. It just being more open, open to what's there versus what I think should be there. So it's, it's back to that seeing my thinking about it. And in turn, that gave me more of a relaxed feel. And that in turn gave me more of a confidence. And that in turn probably made me more attractive. Now you, you didn't end up meeting your current partner on a blind date or a dating agency, or even on an app, you ended up just meeting him at a social event, right? It was a and business event. It's a business networking. How did it show up to you that was different? What was your experience of kind of meeting him and being open to him that was really different from previous times when you might have not even seen him or you wouldn't have been open to it? Or what was different? Well, I was on Relationship Ready, so first of all, I was on the weekend and having coaching sessions with you and Susan. I think approaching or looking at it in a different way, to be quite honest, when we met, I wasn't interested in going out with him. I thought he was attractive and I thought he was interesting, but not for me. And I was interested because he was also an entrepreneur and I thought he was like smart and dynamic and you know, humorous and gregarious. I liked his company, but I actually wanted him as a client. And so I was like, yeah, let's, you know, I'll give you my card, I'll send you a book, all those kind of things. So that was quite natural for me. And the thing I think that was different was he was quite inquisitive. So he had to like run off and was introducing me to other people and really friendly and really kind. 
And then he was like coming back to chat with me after I had to do a phone call. And he said, so what's your story? But I knew he didn't mean my business story. He meant my personal story. He's like, what's your story? I was like, oh, no, 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 no. You wouldn't be my type. And he's like, oh, tell me more about that. What's your type and how's that working for you? He was so um, in the moment and he was making kind of a joke out of even me saying he's not my type. Going back to that tick list we talked about. After that night, he said, uh, do you want to just get together for a drink? And I said, I'm not going out with you. He said, no, 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 just for business, just for friends, just to get to know each other. And I was like, okay, I can meet him for drinking and, you know, five o'clock, a happy hour. Now, was that he was that he's not for you because he didn't fit, you know, what you were looking for or you didn't feel automatically because not everybody feels romantic right away. Some people, they have a friendship first. What was it that was saying he's not for you? Was it that you didn't feel the spark right away? I mean, it sounds like you were intrigued. He did something for you, but something held you back. So to be really honest, he was going through a separation and divorce with his wife. And I had thinking about how that would be for him. And I thought, I don't want to get involved in somebody that's doing that because they need time. And this is me kind of predicting or projecting what I thought he needed. They're going to need time to get over that. They're going to have to go out and date. They're going to have to like all these things. I was putting up all these roadblocks in my head, my thinking about how it's going to need to be for him. And so that was my hesitation, to be really honest. And he's like, well, then, you know, let's just be friends. He was quite like open and like, okay, that's fine. Let's just be friends. So that's where my, I was probably protecting myself, but also thinking he had a long road in front of him that I just don't want to be in. So if I recall correctly, you, you became friends and you spent time together and you got really comfortable being around him and eventually it became more. In terms of your experience of being yourself around in this relationship compared to the version of you that was in previous relationships, like what's the before and after in terms of forget him, you? What's the difference between the version of you that's showing up in this relationship as opposed to the version of you that showed up in your previous relationships? So I think because I was really clearer, which also let me be more present in the moment and be just a little less anxious and more confident, I was just more relaxed and open and not so worried about what had to happen and what order it had to happen in and and predicting. So I was just a little more kind of in the moment and open as friends. I loved his directness and his honesty. And he would kind of say the elephant in the room. He would say, oh, I see on your face, is this something that you're worried about? He would just name it. And so we could have these really open, honest conversations. And that's where I think it really built the relationship and the trust. Uh, in the beginning. I think I fell in love with him slowly, but also we, again, built that friendship. And I wouldn't have been able to do that because my thinking would have been like, oh, this isn't going to work. And this is why this isn't. And, you know, all in my head, whereas I just kind of calmed down and said, ah, just one day at a time, not projecting, not worrying about the future, not anything. Let's just build a friendship. One of the things I wanted to talk about, because I've obviously kind of seen you find your feet in this relationship and also find your voice 
in the face of being with another person who doesn't always have the same ideas about things and doesn't always want to do the same things. How have you found yourself dealing with differences, differences of opinions? How have you found your voice and your own feeling for that in this relationship? Well, the great thing is that he's quite a strong personality and he also knows his mind and he's very quick. And so I like that he could lead and I like that he has an opinion and he has direction, but also I don't want to get run over by that. I don't want to feel like I'm controlled or I don't have a say because I've been, again, quite independent, running my own life by myself as a single person for a long time. And so it was very important that I maintained my identity, but also my say and my opinion. And that's that's a careful balance. And he's quite good because he would listen. But also I think for me, it was knowing when I should just let him go off and chat, chat, chat and be like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. And then knowing when I would need to say, hang on, I need you to hear me now. I need you to hear my opinion, my thought on this. What I observed about you from the outside, and we would have lunch occasionally, or we'd get together, or I'd see you at an event. And when we would talk about things, you know, you used to be really sort of on top of everything. Like you'd always be helping, helping, helping. And as I saw you get more confident in this relationship, I noticed you get much more quieter and confident in a soft way in yourself. There was a there was a really interesting moment talking to you. I think you guys were about a year in and hearing you, your voice was so clear about what did and didn't feel right, whether it was what to do with for the first anniversary or just things that were significant enough that you had a difference of opinion that it wasn't a conflict because you were really clear about what felt right. Mm-hmm. And with that confidence, I saw you soften because there was no conflict about trying to make anything happen. And so I've seen you soften over the years and blossom in confidence is the way I would describe it. And it looks to me like you've really got confident with your own voice Mm. and having your own voice. Does that feel kind of accurate to you? I really think it is confident in my own voice, but also just a quiet confidence. I know what to listen to in my head. I mean, sometimes we create our own anxiety, right? Just by believing the thinking that we have in that moment. And I really try to listen what I'm hearing in my head because there's all this stuff or what is really what I feel like. And I, my words to describe it are what's really true for me. And so I think in both those cases, it built both my confidence from my voice, but also my kind of that quiet confidence you, you speak of. Do you feel like you trust yourself more now? Yeah, I think I do. I think we all sometimes have self-doubt. And I think... As an entrepreneur, I would do research, but then I would take calculated risk, but I was a risk taker. But when it came to personal relationships, I wasn't as much of a risk taker because I was protecting myself more. And now I can see that I, I kind of know myself better. I know who I am more and I know what's important. And so therefore, I think I can be more confident. I bring that confidence to the relationship, what I think makes the relationship stronger. So, Julia, I have this question for you. Given kind of where you are in your life right now and your relationship to yourself and your voice and your confidence and just who you are all around, what would you tell your 16-year-old self? That I don't have to do 
all the time and I don't have to do so much to be enough. I was a real doer. So yeah, I would tell my 16-year-old self that I can just relax a little bit. It'll be okay. That's lovely. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Mm -hmm. It's been brilliant to have you. Thank you so much. And um, we're planning on doing more and maybe we would love to have you back. We might do a group discussion. So there's lots of ideas that we're thinking and we would love to have you back if if you're open to that. Great. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you.